week three of Advent. And, and can I just encourage you, Esther's been doing this, a great, jo- a great job of this this morning. Embrace it. Embrace Christmas. I know that many of you are tired. I, I know that you're, many of you are exhausted. And for that reason alone, I say embrace Christmas. If you embrace Christmas, you're actually celebrating peace. The very thing that can seem fleeting at this point in time, in the middle of December, can actually be found when we embrace Christmas, when we stop and we think about this time of the year and what it's all about. If you embrace Christmas, you're dragging yourself back to the very source of our joy and hope. And if we embrace Christmas, we have the opportunity to shine some light into what seems to be sometimes darkness around us or even in us. If you don't stop and receive the benefits of the presence of Christ in your life, you'll get to the end of December in the same tired and worn out state that you started it. And I just don't think that that is what God would want for you. We need Christmas. You know, we need this family time. We need time away from work if you can get it. All the meals and celebrations, the music and the gifts. When you read the the Bible, it just seems like God is always telling them to have another celebration. He wants this for us to stop and to celebrate together with each other and with him. You know, there's a reason why he said, do these things regularly. He knew that we needed them. So it's not just a cultural tradition, it's a celebration of Emmanuel, God with us. And likewise, Advent is important because we're anticipating Jesus again. You know, like the the Jews were anticipating the coming Messiah for literally hundreds of years. There was that sense of when is he going to come? And and he has come now, but we also have that same anticipation that Jesus is coming again. And so we, we use Christmas and Advent to remind ourselves of these sorts of things. We celebrate the first coming of Christ while we wait for the second coming. So we're going to continue on this series of God with us, emphasis on the with, of course. The reading today is from Matthew 14. This passage begins immediately after Jesus had miraculously fed, well, it says 5,000 men in the Bible, so we know it's more than 5,000 people. Whatever reason they tended in that time, just to count the men to give you a sense of the size of things, but it could have been 15,000, 20,000 people. We don't know. That's a lot of people later miraculously feed, right? You think about people coming to your house if you're hosting for Christmas and you're probably thinking, how am I going to host 20 to 30 people or whatever it is? Think about trying to feed 15 to 20,000 people. No wonder the disciples got a bit stressed at that time. What are we going to do, God? Jesus didn't get stressed. If only we could... Anyway. All right, Matthew 14, 22. You can follow along on the screen with me. Immediately after this, so after the feeding, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent all the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Hopefully that reminds you a little bit of Adam's message from last week. Notice Jesus went 
to be with the Father alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble. They were far from land, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. And about three in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on water. When the disciples saw him walking in the water, on the water, they were terrified and in fear they cried out, It's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. And Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat, walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified. And he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? And when they climbed back in the boat, the wind stopped. You know, when you decide to follow Jesus, you put the entirety of your life into his hands. Your future, your possessions, your family, your job, where you live, what you will do, who you should marry, what you should give up, how you talk to people, how you love people, your money, your time. It's under his authority now, and I love that. Now, it doesn't, when you first say it like that, you think, that doesn't seem right. I'm giving up all of those privileges to God. I love it. There is freedom in submitting my direction in life to a God who created me and loves me. Why wouldn't I want that? Would be the better thing to say. Following Jesus isn't like a hobby on the side. We've surrendered all to him freely. I mean, how many times do we sing the old hymn? All to Jesus I surrender. But did we really know what we were saying when we said that? We surrender to him freely, knowing that he wants what is best. Knowing it will cost us, but also knowing the rewards are high and eternal. But let's be really honest, it it can be hard to do that, can't it? I mean, church, what are you going to do if God asks you to go to live in India to serve him there in a place of poverty, in a place that doesn't always enjoy the same freedoms that we do, like Nicole shared last week? What would you do if God told you to do that? What are you going to do if God calls you into ministry and it's going to cost you? What are you going to do if God tells you to stop doing something, to leave something, to give something up, to sacrifice something, to change something in your life? You know, is my faith big enough to say yes to Jesus in all circumstances of what he's telling me? And you have to hand it to Peter in this story. He wanted to go all in for Jesus, and that needed to be a radical faith that literally walked on water. And this, you know, this story of what Peter did, the more I read through this passage, the more I am amazed by him. And I hope you are too. I ask myself, do I have the same desire to follow Jesus like Peter did? Do I have that kind of faith? Today's sermon is about trusting Jesus with all your heart, knowing that he's calling you and he knows best. 
And when I say call, I'm not just talking about a handful of people who go into paid you know, pastoral or vocational ministry. Although I know God is calling some of you here today and some of you don't even know that yet. I'm just putting that out there. I'm talking to everybody here today. Every person is called by Jesus to go and to be and to do. To everybody here this morning, this passage is for you. Yes, he might be calling you to be a missionary in a foreign country like Nicole shared last week, but he may also be calling you to a new job. He may be calling you to serve in the, in the church. He might be calling you out of something, out of an addiction, out of a sinful behaviour, out of unhealthy living, out of overspending, out of unhealthy desires for more and more stuff and riches and wealth, out of overworking even. Yep, he may be calling some of us out of overworking. Or the opposite, he might be calling us out of laziness. He might be calling us out of anger. The path out of all those things is scary, actually. It might not sound like those things should be scary. It might sound like everyone should want those things. But in my experience, when God calls me out of something, the thought of having to perhaps do something different or give something up can be scary. Perhaps he's calling you to do something about a relationship somewhere. Perhaps he's calling you to have more compassion for the needy or he's calling you to tithe or be more generous. Perhaps he's calling you to stand firm in your place at work under increasing pressure by the world around us to conform to something that goes against your Christian ethics. That's a hard one, isn't it? Whatever is in your life, wherever you're at with Jesus, he's calling you to go deeper with him. And when he calls, we go. We respond, even though it's scary, even though there's a lot of uncertainty, even if we don't want to, we step out in faith. And this story about Peter tells us a lot about what that might look like when Jesus calls. These are some lessons in faith from Peter today. When Jesus calls, he's number one. The first thing is you're not immune from trouble. We know all of these 12 disciples have said yes to following Jesus, you know, you might remember the stories when he would approach them and say, come and follow me. And the very next thing is they said, okay. And they went. So they're following Jesus already. They're right there in his will, following him like he asked them to. And whenever he says go, they go. When he says get on a boat, they get on a boat. And so when Jesus tells them to, to go, that's what they've been doing. And that's what they did in this story. Get in the boat, go over the other side, off they went. Well done, disciples. They obediently followed God's calling. So now we know everything is going to be smooth sailing for them, right? Because they're following Jesus. Am I right? It's going to be smooth sailing. Come on, you know I'm not right. (laughs) I've already read the story. 24, verse 24 says, Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting fighting heavy waves. You know, a lot of these guys were fishermen, they knew how to, how to sail. They knew how to handle a boat. So you know this was not a good situation they were in. Here they are, though. They're serving Jesus faithfully. They're even following specific directions and instructions where to go next. It should be perfect. It's his plan, after all, and yet they're in trouble. Has this ever happened to you? You say yes to Jesus, you step out in faith, and then What? Why am I in this difficulty? Why is there trouble all around me? It gets really hard. It costs you. 
Sometimes people can let you down. There can be a lot of things that happen to you that just seem unfair. It's upsetting, isn't it? When we're, when we're honest, I'm doing everything God called me to do. Why is this happening to me? I just want to live for Jesus, and here I am out on the edge doing what he wants, and I'm in trouble or I'm facing trouble. It just doesn't seem fair. Aren't I on your team, God? I'm doing what you told me. You know, Moses probably asked that same question. I think David would have asked that same question. I think Paul would have said the same thing sitting in jail. Is this where I'm supposed to be after everything I've given up? But here is the hard truth. When Jesus calls, you're not immune from trouble. You know, the Bible shows it clear as day. I'm really sorry. But here's the good bit. Number two, when Jesus calls, he's right here with you. In the middle of all those hard times and the times of trouble, look at verse 25. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus comes towards them. He's walking on the water. When the disciples saw him, they were terrified. They cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once saying, don't be afraid, take courage, I am here. This is the key. This is the key. You're following Jesus. Things might not be going well. Fear easily sets in. What if I fail? What if people find out I'm really not that good? You ever had that thought? What if I have to give up that sin or addiction that I really don't want to? What if my work friends think I'm some kind of weirdo religious nut? I don't want them thinking that of me. Because fear is a natural response to all those things. And as a result, we avoid conflict. We avoid the potential for hardship. We like to feel secure. We like to be in control. Worry is an emotion that's not pleasant, is it? So we do things to avoid that feeling, that, that, the thing that might bring that emotion on. But the promise of Jesus is always, I will never leave you or forsake you. You can take courage when things are hard because Emmanuel, God with us. He is here. He is here. And when I actually spend time with him, you know that fear can be overcome. And sometimes the difficulty too. The third thing when Jesus calls is expect your faith to be stretched further than you thought. This sermon's just getting better and better. Verse 28, Peter called out to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. I get goosebumps on this verse. I'm sorry. What Peter does here amazes me. He's already given his life to follow Jesus He's already living an obedient life of faith. He's doing it. He's already doing it, Peter. You're doing heaps. You've given up heaps. But then he wants to get out of the boat. There's this opportunity before him that he sees Jesus there and he thinks, my faith can be stretched some more. And he takes it. His desire is to really trust Jesus, in this moment, to go deeper. The same happens for us when we first say yes to the calling Jesus puts before us. 
You know, some of you know my own story when the previous pastor said, come work for me. It took me six months just to say yes to that bit. And I thought, yes, I will sit in that office and do all the back end of the church and it'll be great. So I said yes and I thought that would be it. I know. And then a few years later, God had me in the next scary step of faith to start studying and training for ministry. I guess he knew what was coming. It was scary. It's faith-stretching for Shelley and I, and still is. But I'm so glad that I took those steps of faith. Nothing like Peter, but steps of faith. I'm so glad I took them, because when I reflect, I see how God has used those steps to grow me, to grow Shelley. I was able to grow in Faith with each stretching step, and they were stretching. Oh, man, I don't know if, you, if some of you remember. It's probably about eight or nine years ago, the first time I ever stood up on the platform here just to read notices. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for those who are laughing. <laughs> I never, ever wanted to do public speaking. I remember at school when I did public debating, everyone has to do debating in English, right? My talk was done in 23 seconds. All right, I remember sitting down at the timekeeper at 23 seconds and everyone did the laughter thing. <laughs> so character. And I was, that's it, don't, God, I, I will never do that again. So when Lex had me read notices, I was a nervous wreck. Step by step, stretching, stretching. It hurt every time. It was hard every time. Deeper and deeper. The steps keep coming, your faith grows, and it's an amazing thing. And I wonder what my next faith-stretching step is. I wonder what your next faith-stretching step, uh, step is. Like, Let me put that back on you for a second because I just mumbled that really badly. What is your next faith-stretching step in life? What is it that you think that God would call you to? The fourth thing... When Jesus calls us, you might find yourself alone at times. Verse 29, so Peter went over the side of the boat and he walked on the water towards Jesus. Where was everybody else? You notice it was just him? Have you ever wondered what the other disciples were thinking? And look, we, we wouldn't blame them, would we? For thinking, I am not doing that. I mean, that's Jesus. He's the one walking on the water. Peter, I'm not doing that bit. The whole idea of the church is that we do life and faith together, but there are times when Jesus calls us to something for him and no one else goes with you. You might turn around and no one else is behind you. There's times when you've got to go first. It's scary and it's lonely. The fifth thing that happens when Jesus calls or rather, this is a bit of a reminder. Watch you don't get too comfortable in the boat. As I've already said, following Jesus, it's the constant steps of faith. It doesn't just stop with a one-time commitment and then simply attending church. That's not where our faith stops. There's more steps. There's another step and another and another. Because that first step, it can be comfortable after time. We're feeling good with where we've got to with God and that'll do me. I think that God's calling us to go deeper. 
You know, the next step for you might be forgiving people that have hurt you. It might be seeking for forgiveness from people that you've hurt. It could be making amends. It might be giving up something. It might be praying for someone out loud for the first time. It could be taking on more studying of the Bible so that you can know more about who is this God that we're following and what is it that we actually believe about him and and, and who we are before him. Yeah, if you're comfortable, that's a good sign. It's time to take the next step and get out of that comfortable boat. Maybe it's not jumping over the edge just yet, but there's another step for you. The sixth thing about when Jesus calls is going out ahead might expose you to a whole new set of troubles. I've already spoken about troubles, Pastor. Why are you going back to this one? Because Peter goes from in the boat in trouble to out of the boat to more trouble. Verse 30, when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. So not only was there that fear in the boat, he takes this big step of faith, gets out of the boat, and the difficulty remains, except now it's more right there in front of him without the protection and without the people around him. In fact, it's worse. Now, that doesn't seem fair in a way because Jesus said, you should come to me. So why are the waves still there? Why is the fear and the trouble still around him? It's the same with us when we take an even bigger step of faith. We shouldn't be surprised that we're more exposed to difficulties. And those difficulties can easily take all of our attention and they fill us with fear and doubt and worry. And all we see is those big, huge waves, those troubles in our life. The fear and the doubts fill us. And sometimes we regret our decision and we find ourselves starting to sink. In church, when you find yourself with that sinking feeling that you're following the calling of Jesus, how do you stay above water? I know this is obvious, but I've got to say it. Number seven is you keep your eyes on Jesus at all times. Like that old saying, keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times. This one is keep your eyes on Jesus at all times. Back on verse 30, when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. In other words, he was looking away from his Lord at that time. That's why Peter started to sink. His eyes were in the wrong place. He saw the waves and he was terrified. In other words, eyes off. Jesus, and I can't emphasize this enough to us today. I want to make a promise to you today that you don't want to hear. I promise that when you follow Jesus, you will encounter times of hardship. Isn't that a wonderful promise? I can't be a pastor here that stands here week in, week out, giving you slogans to make you feel good and motivated and leave here without knowing what to do next. That's not the full gospel. Here's what Paul said to Timothy. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will suffer persecution. I love that verse. Aren't you glad you came to church today to hear that? I mean, you're not going to find that verse on a coffee mug at Kurong, okay? <laughs> I could make up shirts and try and sell them, but I'm not going to make any money out of this. And someone comes to the pastor and says, Pastor, what's a promise I can hold on to? I can't just say, oh, 2 Timothy 3.12, that one will help you, off you go. 
3.12, sorry. But the Bible is real and complete, and you can't just selectively read God's Word. You have to read all of it to understand the fullness of the Gospel. In God's... Being in God's will is not a ticket to the easy life of health and wealth and worldly prosperity. Those waves will be there, and they are terrifying. But I think the answer for Peter and for us is right there in front of us. In all things, we keep our eyes on Jesus. And so as we take our eyes, because when we take our eyes from him, and if we face these waves by ourselves, we sink. Now, what I'm not saying is that you don't face the waves, okay? You're living in reality here. You've got to do something about the troubles in your life. But the key is that Jesus is right there with you, Emmanuel, God with us, and you keep your eyes on him. They're very real, those troubles. We look to him and we trust him at all times. The eighth thing is when Jesus calls, he's got hold of you. So you can put your complete trust in him. Verse 31. Jesus immediately reached out and he grabbed Peter. And then he gave him a reminder about faith. They climbed back in the boat, the wind stopped. Remember what Jesus said to the disciples when he first approached them on this night? He said, do not be afraid, you should have courage. The only reason you have courage is that I am here. This is what Christmas reminds us of. God is with us. If you're doing what Jesus called you to do, he's got you. He's got you. So don't be afraid. Take courage. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Now, church, I know you may be thinking, these sound like nice words, but it doesn't change my situation. I want to tell you that you have the power to get that courage and to be done with the fear in your life. Because keeping your eyes on Jesus is a challenge that can be met. How do I keep my eyes on Jesus? I think Pastor Adam gave, gave us a good start last week. You actually have to take the time and be with him. You know, we preach this sermon repeatedly in this church. I hope it's starting to take hold. Because just listening to me for 30 minutes on a Sunday is good, but being with Jesus is so much better. Thanks, Linda. <laughs> I know you meant well. But seriously, seriously, you're facing all those waves and they're crashing over you and it's like, how am I going to survive? Netflix isn't going to help you. Facebook isn't going to help you. The nightly news won't help you. <laughs> It'll hinder you. And, but you, you be with Jesus. Put your eyes on him. Uh, this has been my experience. I'm not just making up a story to make you feel better. You go be with Jesus. You spend time with him. You take time away from everyone else. All of a sudden, you feel the love. The fear starts to dissipate. And you can start to face those waves. You know, I'm at the end of my sermon here. I feel like I, 
I haven't quite got to what I would need to say here. I don't know why. Something's missing. I want to go back to this thing that Peter did. He's in this boat in trouble. And he chooses to get out of it. I mean, that kind of trust, I want that. That kind of trust in Jesus, I want that. So I'm going to say, Lord, thank you for getting that written into Matthew 14 for us because I want to go after that kind of relationship with Jesus. He's with me. And he's with every single one of you here this morning. And if I was to look across this room, I, I know that each and every one of you have got the waves and the doubts and the fears. And sometimes we think, I don't have enough courage. But your God has written a promise into his word for you today. Take courage. Do not be afraid. I am here. The church, go to him. Go to him. Would you pray with me now? Lord, we know you are here, right here, right now. And whatever it is that you're calling us to, God, we can get there because you're with us. We know that it's going to be hard. We don't want it to be but it will be, but it's okay. It's okay. God is here. Jesus loves you. God, we want to hold on to that truth today. But I want to pray that for every person here that walks out of the church today and opens their Bible this week or sits down in prayer or walks with you or whatever it is, Lord, that they encounter you like they never have before and that you fill them with that wonderful assurance of your love and, and security and that you would take the fear away, God. Lord, we're not... Uh, we're being real about this. We know the troubles are there. That We don't just ignore them, God. But with you there, maybe we can even walk on water. Help us, Lord, to know how much you really do love us. Amen.